And good afternoon. You're listening to Ken Hudnall. This is the Ken Hudnall Show. <clears throat> Coming to you from our studios right here in exciting El Paso, Texas. Gateway to the Old West and the most haunted city in the country. Well, today's June the 1st, 152nd day of the year. And 213 days remain to the year's over with. And let's talk about holidays and observances. Global Day of Parents. Good day to ask them for money. National Moonshine Day. Now that's something I can get behind. National Olive Day. Dare Day. Dinosaur Day. Don't Give Up the Ship Day. Flip a Coin Day. Gawa Dayak. It's a festive spirit uh, celebration. The Festival of the Dayak People. Intergenerational Day. International Children's Day. Madaraka Day in Kenya, National Billboard Day, National Go Barefoot Day, National Hazelnut Cake Day, National Hemlock, uh, oh, excuse me, <laughs> Heimlich Maneuver Day, National Nail Polish Day, National Roman Day, National Say Something Nice Day, National Skin Care Education Day, New Year's Resolution Recommitment Day. Orthodox Ascension Day, Oscar the Grouch Day, Pen Pal Day, Samoa Independence Day, Stand for Children Day, Statehood Day in Kentucky, Statehood Day in Tennessee, Wear a Dress Day, World Milk Day, World Narcissistic Abuse Day, World Outlander Day, and World Reef Awareness Day. Especially if you're in a ship. Now, in 1215, Zhangdu, which is now Beijing, which was then under the control of the Church and ruler Emperor Zhuanzang of Xin, is captured by the Mongols under Chinggis Khan, ending the Battle of Zhangdu. 1252, Alfonso X is proclaimed King of Castile and Leon. 1298, Residents of Regan, the Grand Duchy of Lithuania, defeated the Livonian Order in the Battle of Duraida. Livonian Order was a, an, autonomous, an autonomous branch of the Teutonic Order, uh, formed in 1237. Uh, from 1435 to 1561, it was a member of the Livonian Confederation. Uh, it was formed from the remnants of the Livonian Brothers of the Sword after their defeat by the Samogosians in 1236 at the Battle of Sele, uh, incorporated into the Teutonic Knights and became known as the Livonian Order, similar to the uh, Knights Templar. 1495, a monk named John Corr records the first known batch of Scotch whiskey. Leave it to the monks. 1533, Anne Bolin is crowned Queen of England. 1535, combined forces loyal to Charles V attack and expel the Ottomans from Tunis during the conquest of Tunis. 1648, the Roundheads defeat the Cavaliers at the Battle of Maidstone in the Second English Civil War. 1649, started a Sumeroy revolt. Filipinos in northern Samara led by Augustin Sumeroy revolt against Spanish colonial authorities. 
1670 in Dover, England, Charles II of England and Louis XIV of France signed the Secret Treaty of Dover, which forces England into the Third Anglo-Dutch War. 1676, Battle of Oland. Allied Danish-Dutch forces defeat the Swedish Navy in the Baltic Sea during the Scanian War, which was 1675 to 1679. 1679, we saw the Scottish Covenanters defeat John Graham of Claverhouse at the Battle of Drumclog. 1773, Will Run uh, rescues 14 sailors at the Cape of Good Hope from the sinking ship De Thomas by riding his horse into the sea seven times. On the 8th the 10th, both he and the horse, whose name was Vonk, drowned. 1779, the court-martial for malfeasance of Benedict Arnold, general of the Continental Army during the American Revolutionary War, begins on this date. 1792, Kentucky is admitted as the 15th state. 1794, the Battle of the Glorious 1st of June is fought in the first naval engagement between Britain and France during the... Uh, French Revolutionary Wars. 1796, Tennessee is admitted as the 16th state. 1812, War of 1812, President Madison asked Congress to declare war on the UK. 1813, capture of the USS Chesapeake was on this date. It's also known as the Battle of Boston Harbor. It was fought between a Royal Navy frigate, the HMS Shannon, U.S. Navy frigate uh, Chesapeake, as part of the War of 1812, Chesapeake was captured in a brief but intense action in which 71 men were killed, the only frigate action of the war in which there was no preponderance of force on either side. They were pretty well evenly matched. At uh, Boston, Captain uh, James Lawrence took command of the Chesapeake May 20th, 1813, and on June 1st put to sea to meet the waiting HMS Shannon, commanded by Captain Philip Broke. Broke had issued a written challenge to Chesapeake's commander, but... Chesapeake failed, uh, had sailed before it was delivered. Chesapeake suffered heavy damage in the exchange of gunfire, having her wheel and foretopsail halyard uh, shot away, rendering her unmaneuverable. Uh, Captain Lawrence himself was mortally wounded and carried below. American crews struggled to carry out their captain's last order of don't give up the ship, with the British boarding party quickly overwhelming them. Battle was intense, but short lasting 10 to 15 minutes, in which time 226 men were killed or wounded. Shannon's captain was severely injured in fighting in the forecastle, but survived. Uh, Chesapeake and her crew were taken to Halifax, Nova Scotia, where the sailors were taken to prisoner war camps. ship was repaired and taken into service by the Royal Navy. Sold at Portsmouth, England in 1819 and broken up. The uh, surviving timbers. We used to build the Chesapeake Mill in Wickham and can be seen and visited even to this day. The Shannon survived longer, being broken up in 1859. But it was an interesting uh, postscript of history. 1815, Napoleon promulgates a revised constitution after it passed to public site. 1831, James Clark Ross becomes the first European at the North Magnetic Pole. 1849, Territorial Governor Alexander Ramsey declared the Treaty of Minnesota officially established. 1854, Alien War, British Navy destroys merchant ships to about 16,000 tar barrels in the wholesale stocks area in Olu, Grand Duchy of Finland. 1855, the American adventurer William Walker conquers Nicaragua. 
1857, Charles Baudier's La Fou du Mans is published. Also in 1857, Revolution of the Ganadores begins in Salvador, Bahia, Brazil. 1861, American Civil War, Battle of Fairfax Courthouse is fought on this date. 1862, the Peninsula Campaign, the Battle of the Seven Pines, in the, or the Battle of Fair Oaks, depending on which side you're on, ends inconclusively with both sides claiming a victory. 1868, Treaty of Bosque Redondo is signed, allowing Navajos to return to their lands in Arizona and New Mexico. 1879, Napoleon Eugene, the last dynastic Bonapartist, killed in the Anglo-Zulu War. 1890, the U.S. Census Bureau begins using Herman Hollerith's tabulating machine to count consens- um, census returns. 1913, the Greek-Serbian Treaty of Alliance is signed, paving the way for the Second Balkan War. 1916, Louis Brandeis becomes the first Jew appointed to the U.S. Supreme Court. 1918, World War I, Western Front, Battle of Belleau Wood. Allied forces under John Pershing and James Harbord engage Imperial German forces under Wilhelm, German Crown Prince. 1919, Prohibition comes into force in Finland. 1922, Royal Austro Constabulary is formed. 1929, the first conference of the Communist Parties of Latin America is held in Buenos Aires. 1930, the Deccan Queen is introduced as first intercity train between Bombay, uh, VT, which is now Mumbai, and Pune to run on electric locomotives. 1939, first flight of the German Focke-Wulf FW-190 fighter aircraft. 1941, World War II. Battle of Crete ends as Crete capitulates to Germany. <clears throat> 1941. <coughs> the Farhud massive program in Iraq starts, and as a result, many Iraqi Jews are forced to leave their homes. 1943. BOAC Flight 777 is shot down over the Bay of Biscay by German Junkers Ju 88s. Kills British actor Leslie Howard, and leading to speculation it was actually an attempt to kill British Prime Minister Winston Churchill. One of Churchill's doubles was on board the plane, according to legend. 1946, Ion Antonescu, the conducator or leader of Romania during World War II, was executed on this date. 1950, Declaration of Conscience speech by Senator uh, from Maine, Margaret Chase Smith, is delivered in response to Joseph McCarthy's speech at Wheeling, West Virginia. 1950, the Chinchanga. Fired nights. By September, it became the largest single fire on record in North America. 1958, Charles de Gaulle comes out of retirement to lead France by decree for six months. 1961, Canadian Bank of Commerce and Imperial Bank of Canada merged to form the Canadian Imperial Bank of Commerce, the largest bank merger in Canadian history. 1962, Adolf Eichmann is hung in Israel. 1964, Kenya became a republic with Jomo Kenyatta as the first president. 1974, the Heimlich Maneuvers for Rescue and Choking Victims is published in the Journal of Emergency Medicine. 1975, the Patriotic Union of Kurdistan is founded by Jalal Talabani, New Shirwan Mustafa, and Faoud Masoum, and a number of others. 1978, the first international applications under the Patent Cooperation Treaty are filed. 1979, the first black-led government of Rhodesia, which is now Zimbabwe, was 
in 90 years takes power on this date. In 1980, CNN began broadcasting. And under Ted Turner, it reported news. Now it's the opinion of whoever's sitting behind the microphone. Uh, and if you notice, most of them lean to the left as you watch them on TV. 1988, European Central Bank is founded in Brussels. Also in 1988, the Intermediate Range Nuclear Forces Treaty comes into effect. 1990, Cold War, George H.W. Bush and Mikhail Gorbachev sign a treaty to end chemical weapon production. 1993, Dabrina mortar attack. 13 are killed and 133 wounded when Sir mortar shells are fired at a soccer game in Dabrina, west of Sarajevo. 1994, Republic of South Africa becomes a republic in the Commonwealth of Nations. 1999, American Airlines Flight 1420 uh, slides and crashes while landing at Little Rock National Airport. 11 people are killed in, on the flight from Dallas to Little Rock. 2001, Nepalese Royal Massacre. Crown Prince Dipendra of Nepal shoots and kills several members of his family, including his father and mother. 2001, Dolphinarium uh, Discotheque Massacre. A Hamas suicide bomber kills 21 in a disco on Tel Aviv. 2004, Oklahoma City bombing co-conspirator Terry Nichols is sentenced to 161 consecutive life terms without the possibility of parole. 2008, a fire on the back of the Universal Studio breaks out, destroying the attraction King Kong Encounter and a large archive of master tapes for music and film. Uh, the full extent of the damage wasn't revealed till 2019. <clears throat> 2009, an Air France Flight 447 crashes into the Atlantic Ocean off the coast of Brazil on a flight from Rio de Janeiro to Paris. All 228 passengers and crew are killed. 2009, General Motors files for Chapter 11 bankruptcy, forced the largest U.S. bankruptcy in history. 2011, a rare tornado outbreak occurs in New England. An EF3 tornado strikes Springfield, Massachusetts during the event, killing uh, four people. Uh, 2011, Space Shuttle Endeavor makes the its final landing after 25 flights. And 2015, a ship carrying 458 people capsizes in the Yangtze River in China's Hubei province. 400 people are killed. Well, it's always interesting to um, talk about some of the mysteries of history. We just finished a couple of shows about um, a purported uh, German base on the moon. Now following up <clears throat> the shows on the Wahala, we're going to talk about uh, what's known as the Dark Fleet, the secret Nazi space program that's supposed to have been uh, put into effect. Now, there's long been rumors that coexisting with us on this planet are a, uh, another race. They look pretty much like us. And the um, there are those that say this other race has an equal claim to Earth because they transformed it from an uninhabited planet to a fertile place for 
thousands of what were called subhuman species to thrive. They brought with them in their planet's high spaceship their food source. But uh, when they arrived here, they destroyed a planet called Maldek, which allegedly became the asteroid belt. And when they passed close to Mars, they stripped the atmosphere from that planet. Now, the uh, according to ancient legend, when the oceans on Earth receded, two large continents emerged, one in the Pacific and one in the Atlantic. The Pacific continent became known as Lemuria or Mu. Uh, Colonel James Churchwood did a lot of writing on that. Now, there was supposedly a human federation of civilizations that consisted originally of over a hundred human occupied star systems. Um, and the, the invaders, as it were, were what were known as reptilians. Now, the fact this federation of Human civilizations uh, moved to oppose the reptilians. They sent a race of um, advanced humans um, to confront the reptilians on Earth. They became known as the Atlans. They uh, were highly evolved, had superior spacefaring technology and weaponry. And they took over the, the large continent in the Atlantic, which became uh, Plato's Atlantis. And wars between the two continents broke out almost immediately, and the Atlans began to uh, slay the reptilians. They, uh, they destabilized the foundations of the Lemurian continent. Earthquakes broke out, volcanoes erupted, and uh, Lemuria sank into the ocean. Now, the Atlans knew there'd be a counterattack, but they didn't know the reptilians had this comparable um, weaponry and would sink Atlantis the same way they sank Lemuria. They always preceded an attack with a infiltration and sabotage. And they created a fifth column in uh, Atlan territory. Uh, expert at abduction and genetic hybridization, they planted an army of human-appearing hybrid saboteurs throughout Atlantis. The attack came, it was devastating. The main island of Atlantis went down in one day and millions died, but the... Uh, there were some Atlanteans who were prepared and convinced the population to leave well in advance of the cataclysm, at least a portion of the population. 
I went to the Himalayas, Central America, the Andes, the Mediterranean, and Egypt, where they started similar civilizations. The main uh, Atlantean refugee colony was in Egypt, which was just a short trip to the east. And many believe the classical civilizations in Greece, which with such rich traditions and drama and literature and philosophy, had to be um, from the Atlantean uh, culture. I mean, there's really no other explanation for the level of brilliance and sophistication exhibited by the the Greek scholars and philosophers. Now, the Atlantean culture was pre-Adamic, so they didn't have the the reptilian brain as did the Homo sapien uh, created later in the Garden of Eden. Part of the problem was the fact that the Federation didn't comprehend and appreciate the scientific prowess of the reptilians. They may not have realized they had actually towed the moon, according to legend. Here from a distant star step and put it perfectly to become a stepping stone to their settlement of Earth. Now the Federation consisted of many advanced human star systems, almost all of which were had somewhat differing beliefs. One of the most dominant religions in ancient Egypt, which we know to have been derived from the Atlanteans, was the belief in the Paradise Trinity, and which the three aspects of God are combined into one, called El. Uh, Elyon, or the Most High, also called the Elohim, which is a plural word in Hebrew. That means that it encapsulates all three aspects of the Paradise Trinity. So the term Elohim actually represents the triune God. Over time, it came to represent the race of humans who had adopted the belief and subsequently were considered to be the closest to the Supreme Deity. Now, the Federation decided in reaction to the sinking of Atlantis it was necessary to convene a council to decide on a plan for Earth. And this convocation was organized by the Elohim and attended by representatives of 60 human civilizations, uh, which is called the Confederation. Uh, There's a number of uh, very uh, well-written books that discuss all this. It was decided by the planners to include the reptilians in order to arrive at a planetary solution that everybody could agree on. Um, Federation had to agree that the uh, reptilians had a role in the, the future. However, since they routinely lie, when the truth would serve them better, nobody in the Federation believed they'd really adhere to the plan. Now, the Federation Council was convened by the Elohim on the planet Hatonia in the Andromeda Galaxy. Um, the body of legends that discuss all this make it clear that uh, we're not the most advanced civilization. Now, it should be understood the reptilians weren't really warriors in the true sense of the word. They're highly scientific. 
typically only go into warrior mode when they plan to uh, destroy a civilization or a planet. When their plan is to destroy, they just come in and <clears throat> destroy everything in sight, as they did with Maldak, which became the asteroid belt. <clears throat> However, when they intend to enslave, they take a different approach. Now, the Nag Hammadi Library is a collection of 13 ancient manuscripts discovered in a cave in uh, Upper Egypt in 1945. And it was an astounding, extremely important find to reveal the sinking of the earliest disciples of Jesus, who were known as the Gnostics. And many of the Gnostic beliefs are in stark contrast to the writings of the early disciples connected to the the Pauline Roman Christians, which can be found in the New Testament. The English translation of the codices were completed in the 70s and offers actual dialogues of the disciples. I mean, it was written in almost like a screenplay. And the discovery caused a major reevaluation of early Christian history and presented a comprehensive explanation of the Gnostics and Gnosticism. There are the... Uh, Actually, the earliest source of information about the uh, what are referred to as the archons. Now, John Lash is a mythologist, author, and teacher, one of the most knowledgeable authorities on Gnosticism. He's got a website called Meta History. He says archons are a species of inorganic beings that emerged in the solar system prior to the formation of the Earth. They're, in effect, cyborgs inhabiting the planetary system. The Gnostics saw the signature of an alien species that piggybacks on the worst human failings, so it was put forth that archons are psycho-spiritual parasites. He did an internet article called The Gnostic Theory of Alien Intrusion. and said the Nag Hammadi material contains reports of visionary experiences of the initiates, including first-hand encounters with inorganic beings called archons. Gnostic teaching explains these entities arose in the early stage of formation of the solar system. According to what he said in his article, archons do exist physically, but the real danger they pose to humanity is not the invasion of the planet, but invasion of the mind. They're inter- uh, Psychic mind parasites who access human consciousness through telepathy and simulation. They infect our imagination, use the power of make believe for deception and confusion. Kind of like Congress. Their pleasure is in deceit for its own sake without a particular aim or purpose. They're robotic in nature. They can't access human genetics, but they can pretend to do so in such a way that humans fall for the pretended act as if staged events were taken for real. Yeah, they, the ultimate hoaxers. Now, in order for the reptilians to enslave the human race, it was first necessary to seal this off from allies elsewhere in the galaxy since they knew that uh, those friends could offer assistance. It's likely to be at least as technologically advanced as the reptilians. Maybe the most potent technique for preventing this was the construction of 
an electrostatic force field around the Earth in the very earliest days of existence of the human race. And this was accomplished by ailing scalar sonic pulses of the Earth's inner grid system somewhere between 30 and 40,000 years ago. Installed by the ancient deities known as the Anunnaki and referred to as the Nibiru electro Electrostatic Transduction Field, it prevents outgoing and incoming signals to and from higher dimensions. Now the first stage of the reptilian invasion was the modification of the planetary logos. And according to the Ascension Glossary, the planetary logos is the original blueprint and law governing the Earth's planetary body. And the planetary logos in turn controls the messaging to the planetary blade. And these messages influence and control every living thing on the planet. Uh, the Archons have modified that this messaging such that the messages are being artificially programmed to create mind control, brain dysfunction, and blocking of nerve synapse block, um, blockages. We were informed and aware of these energy assaults against our consciousness would override them by creating an inner spirit connection to be the primary incoming message system and it would shield us from interference. But about the time of the Atlantean cataclysms, over 20,000 years ago, the planetary logos were invaded and corrupted by the Archons. At that time, the human race was, as we know it, was only a little over 15,000 years old and been created on this planet as a compromise between the reptilians and the Elohim. Uh, the ancient Atlanteans had been protecting uh, humans, and they were effectively destroyed by the cataclysm at that time. Many of the Atlantean survivors flooded Himalayas and other remote locations where they set up um, segments of their technology. And while the Archons dwell exclusively in the higher dimensions and are invisible to human perception, various groups of reptilians incorporate the Archonic energies and intentions and they act as astral and physical extensions of the Archons. Now when I was doing my show uh, before politics reared its ugly head, and it was decided that I wasn't liberal enough to be um, on KHRO. I interviewed a lot of folks who talked about the information that I'm conveying today. The ETs that are hybridized with reptilian-based genetics operate in a hierarchical system of rank and defer to their superior groups. The Dracos, or Draconians from Draconis, are in command of Earth-based subterranean reptilians who respect their superiors in the belief that the Draconians hold ownership over Earth and hence the, the human race. The Draco reptilians view themselves as the most intelligent species in the universe since uh, they know that the human race is the result of a relatively recent biological seeding process from multiple planets. I'd refer you to the writings of Zechariah Sitchin, which talked about the creation of the human race. The Alpha Draconian uh, Dracos have a 
royal class. They uh, are lighter colored, in fact, almost white with winged appendages. They're two to three times the size of an average human and a lot stronger. Quite menacing and tyrannical. They don't have any mercy, even to members of their own race who they think have defied their orders or shirked their responsibilities. Earth-based reptilians appear to be in command over biological entities known as the Greys. Um, reptilians have developed higher uh, psionic abilities, which they use for mind-controlling other species. The uh, Keep in mind that a lot of what I'm talking about has appeared in a lot of books that I've come across, and some of the writers, um, in my humbled opinion, are a sandwich short of a picnic, but the material they give is confirmed by others who I think um, are fairly uh, well-versed in what they write about. Now, the primary means of human control by the Archons is mind control. And according to the Ascension Glossary, one has control over the mind, you have control over the directions and actions of the physical body and all of its parts, and also uh, over the ongoing mental effort to reclaim the, the energies. Keep in mind that um, allegedly the CIA developed something very similar. And... Even uh, Sirhan Sirhan, who shot Robert Kennedy, supposedly, according to his defenders, uh, was being uh, mentally controlled. He says he doesn't remember anything he did. Now, keep in mind that... Um, In the early 20th century, according to the story, the reptilians were ready for the final stage of their program to enslave the human race on this planet. Their first priority was to select a country or race or group uh, to work through, a group that could be relied on to carry out their agenda of hybridization, artificial intelligence, poisoning of the air, food and water, and um, to conduct the wars that were needed. And they had to wait until the development in science, technology, and industrialization reached the point where their human puppets were able to handle the complexities of their job. And these plans had been honed to perfection over thousands of years, during which time they enslaved millions of the inhabitants of planets and 21 star systems in the galaxy. They chose the Germans to attain these reptilian goals, and that was a logical and tactical decision on their part. More than any other racial group, the Germans were amazingly disciplined and able to achieve remarkable accomplishments by rapidly organizing huge industrial structures along hierarchical lines and ensuring the, that the reporting discipline from one level to another was efficient and highly regimented. The, um, now this is the key to achieving results in large corporate, military, and governmental organizations. And in this type of system, each department level has little or no knowledge or activity of other levels. And so through this uh, method, large numbers of employees can be made to produce products or carry out activities that are basically 
antisocial, inhuman, or even evil. It's this separation keeping all groups on a strictly need-to-know basis by the management that allows all this to happen. Now, the reptilians knew this was a necessary approach because they didn't want to risk a rebellion in the ranks triggered by idealistic employees if their real objectives were uncovered. And they intended to implement their takeover plans through the large corporate entities, and secrecy was imperative. Uh, a capitalistic corporate industrial structure was vital to their plans, namely the democratic and socialistic political systems were basically opposed to their program, which is why they made sure to operate through anti-democratic and anti-socialist authoritarian regimes. Now, the major problem with this structure is the lack of creativity. Workers are cowed into following orders, the Nuremberg defense. Good ideas are replaced, and the consequences are a product or a system that may be finished on time but lacks all the enhancements that would have been possible by incorporating the ideas and suggestions of subordinates along the way. This tends to uh, dilute the entire effort. But that's a price the elite are willing to pay to get the basic result, which is control. And that's why it was possible for a Kaiser or a Fuhrer or an emperor to realize the accomplishment of their whims quickly so the reptilian planners could depend on them to achieve their goal. Also, the German workers or soldiers didn't allow humane or ethical values to interfere with the process. To them, efficiency was everything, and human lives were just numbers. They got the job done without regard for the human toll and with no regrets. In such an environment, the, the leaders are all important. And while the mid and lower level workers take care of the simple, basic, mindless, and repetitive task, uh, individuals per se are generally disposable and easily replaceable if they show any signs of hesitation or more remorse. But eventually, the managers at the top don't want to bother with all the effort and attention it takes to fool the workers into thinking they're doing something uh, valuable. So ultimately, they just resort to a form of slavery in which keeping track of salaries and recreation for their workers is no longer necessary. Doing away with all pretenses, they implement Gestapo-like tactics to control the organization. We saw that during uh, World War II. Now, the Herculean job necessary to affect their emergence of a unified Germany as an armed scientific and industrial European power at the commencement of the 20th century was due to the efforts and policies of one man. Prussian Prime Minister and German Chancellor Otto von Bismarck. Now, during the period of his reign from 1862 and 1914,、uh, Germany was transformed from a collection of dispute. Disputatious independent states into a comprehensive, politically unified, highly industrialized country under the dominance of Prussia.、It、began with the elevation of William I as King of Prussia in 1861 after the death of his brother, King Frederick、uh, William IV. Now, William was dedicated to the unification of the German states, and he believed that the best way to unify Germany was through war. So he depended on his war minister, Count von Roon. But they weren't able to build an effective military because of liberal opposition in Parliament. 
But in September of 1862, William appointed Bismarck to the office of prime minister. And Bismarck, let me tell you, was a force to be reckoned with. Essentially disregarded parliament and imposed new taxes dictatorially to pay for a new military. It was an illegal move, of course, but as is often the case, strong, bold moves by one determined leader catch the opposition by surprise, and they can't marshal enough unified force to defeat his or her policies. The speech to the Parliament in 1862 to justify his actions, Bismarck uttered the famous phrase that's now echoed down through the years, We've come to characterize all such actions by future German dictators. He said the great questions of our time will be decided not by speeches and resolutions of majorities, but by blood and iron. Now, of course, the derogatory reference to resolution of majorities was essentially a rejection of democracy and an endorsement of autocracy. And blood and iron can only mean one thing, warfare, which uses tons of, tons of iron and spills oceans of blood. This was a prophetic utterance by Bismarck because it was from that moment on that the new nation of Germany became a succession of dictatorships and began a worldwide reign of blood and iron for a period that lasted 83 years. Overwhelming evidence that Bismarck was really uh, secretly a member of the what became known as the Illuminati, uh, a group set to implement the secret agenda for the 20th century. But as with all things um, from this group, it was based on a lie because it didn't really answer the question of our times and all, but provoked a new and horrifying direction for humanity that we're still dealing with today. Now, Bismarck was the first of a new generation of dictators, and he became the prototype of the autocratic German leader that um, was emulated by uh, successors and multifaceted talents that allowed him to handle complicated political agendas with ease. He played other European political leaders against each other as though they were pawns on a chessboard. And he achieved results that seemed impossible to others. In quick succession, he won three wars, even though he himself was not really a military leader. But each time he enlarged Prussian territory and influence until Prussia became the new Germany. And this allowed his autocratic successors, Kaiser Wilhelm II and Adolf Hitler, to inherit a large, powerful nation. Maybe most importantly, his high intelligence permitted him to be at ease with the amazing industrial and technological advances that evolved during his time in office. Time of changes became known worldwide as the Second Industrial Revolution. Well, since Bismarck himself was an autocratic conservative leader, he imbued the corporations he fostered to be led the same way, especially Krupp and uh, I.G. Farben. So the leaders of these corporations inherited the same vaunted greed, ambition, and indifference to human suffering he displayed. He even set the stage for government anti-Semitism, which intensified later, even though the uh, Jewish population in Prussia, Germany at that time was only 1%. An online announcement of a talk about his book, Bismarck, A Life, by Jonathan Steinberg, which was held May 26, 2011, by the Peers Institute for the Study of Antisemitism, says Jonathan Steinberg will argue that Bismarck staged the first act of the tragedy of German Jewelry. Steinberg argued that not only did antisemitism have deep roots in the aristocratic class from which Bismarck came, the, the junkers as they were known, but also that Bismarck used it to, when it suited his politics. First modern depression hit Germany in 1873, and 
since the prominent bankers were uh, primarily Jewish, they took the blame. Bismarck abandoned his liberal allies and after 1878 set out to destroy him. Allowed a wave of anti-Semitism to spread and watched as the Prussian parliament had its infamous Jew debate in 1880. That was the first time the unified Germany declared the Jews were not real Germans. And I have no clue as to why one particular uh, segment of humanity would be singled out. Now, Bismarck's plan to develop Germany into a world power was ambitious and multifaceted and certainly very difficult, if not impossible. Highly pragmatic without any element of idealism. Playing heavily on Prussia's strong suits, he used what he had to good advantage and overcame the disadvantages by using war and the threat of war to get what he wanted. Now, Germany was way behind Britain, France, and Belgium in terms of industrialization before 1850. But according to best uh, information that's available. He had a highly skilled labor force, a good education system, a strong worth ethic, good standards of living, and sound protectionist uh, strategy. And Bismarck parlayed these strengths into a very effective strategy so that by 1900, Germany was a world leader in industrialization. It was comparable to England or the U.S. And this again, according to Wikipedia, despite the fact that until mid-century, the guilds of the landed aristocracy, the churches, and the government bureaucracies had so many rules and restrictions that uh, entrepreneurs had no um, real way to go and were given little opportunity to develop. Really was a remarkable achievement testifies to Bismarck's bold, unique mental powers. It helped to Bismarck is not really attached to any particular ideology which gave him perfect flexibility and he was a virtual dictator. So he became able to use what became known as real politic. Uh, that is when it came to world power any means to an end uh, or the end justifies the mean. It's also referred to as power politics because power on the international stage is the only consideration. Now, he, through his political machinations, he created a climate which industry could thrive, and consequently, huge German conglomerates evolved and rapidly caught up with those in the West. And he helped them by instituting welfare programs for German industrial workers as early as 1880. He was the one that introduced old age programs, accident insurance, medical care insurance, and unemployment insurance, which made Germany a virtual welfare state. Keeping the workers happy also made the owners happy and allowed Germany to rocket to the top of world industrial hierarchy. In particular, the German chemical, coal mining, steel railroads, and agricultural combines became world class, primarily through the formation of cartels. The iron and steel companies bought the coal mines, which formed integrated production facilities because steel manufacture requires uh, large admixtures of coke. These mixed firms called concerns multiplied rapidly so that coal output went from 2 million tons in 1850 to 130 million tons in uh, 1940, which sets the stage for the massive Krupp works and the fearsome German weaponry of World War II. Well, keep in mind the... Um, the ability of Germany to um, reach the top 
of uh, societies or um, countries in such a rapid time gave them an inflated sense of importance. So that when the regimentation of Nazi Germany was in, um, put into effect, it was a short step for most Germans. And they went from one of the most civilized nations to one of the most vicious. Now the generation of people born in Germany between 1870 and 1910 was very different from preceding generations and deserved a new appellation just as the different generations of America been assigned names consistent with their apparent characteristics. Here we have the baby boomers, generation Xers, and millennials. So we know immediately what sort of individuals belong in these groups. Um, it was the same for the Germans born in that era in Germany. Even if we have never before categorized Germans by a generation, because the traits of that uh, particular group are so starkly identifiable, these individuals seem to have been a realistic and world-weird from birth, they displayed what's known as uh, Weltschmerz, which is defined as world pain. They're not given a sentimentality or dismay when witnessing human cruelty or suffering because they're really only partly human themselves. They have a different mindset. Now, by the 1880s, the basic transformation of the first generation of German population of the new century had been completed. This newest generation had been programmed from the to be unfeeling and cruel. And there'd be young adults, 20 to 35 years old by 1900, would be at the height of the colonial era. And these men carried out their inner directions for control over the native populations coldly and brutally. And they did move in and colonize uh, less advanced societies very quickly. And then this new generation would be just the right age to be in the officer class by World War I, when these same traits on a higher level would be useful. So in addition to having been programmed uh, to be unfeeling and also have the advantage of 15 years of colonial experience, military and otherwise, to become effective officers in World War I and be positioned to treat their enemies as they had the natives. They'll be completely ruthless in their treatment of civilians before World War I. These men would then either be dead or aging veterans when World War II began in 1939. So that was why it was necessary to create an entirely new fighting force for the Second World War. And these men had to be even more hardened of cruelty in order to stomach brutalities of the new war, especially the slaughter and enslavement of the conquered civilians and the workers and the horrors of the concentration camps. Essentially, without that critical colonial experience, they had to be more robotic be trained to just obey orders and feel no sympathies or remorse toward the victims. To leave the strategies and cruelties up to those connected to the organization around uh, Hitler, especially Himmler, the head of the Nazis' uh, feared paramilitary organization, the SS. So those necessities support the thesis um, that Hitler's reptilian allies cloned an entirely new million-man army for World War II. We'll talk about that uh, in future shows, but in effect, this um, generation was um, trained, 
simply to obey orders. Uh, the uh, the members of the Wehrmacht then came cannon fodder needed for the attack against Russia on the Eastern Front, where they knew casualties would be enormous. And that's because they were essentially robotic in nature and had no sympathies for humans. They never hesitate to commit genocide when commanded, as they did in Russia. Now, by 1884, the emergence of Germany as a world industrial power in such a short time caught the rest of the Western world by surprise. As previously discussed, this was a result of the Bismarck miracle. In that year, Portugal called for a world conference to address the partition of Africa. Nobody expected Germany to participate in such a conference because it was still regarded as a newcomer on the world scene and only had a minor role in the colonization of Africa. And Germany, knowing this attitude, realized it was necessary to assure the other powers that their noble intentions regarding the treatment of the natives. Consequently, they had no issue joining in the solemn pledge to preserve the aboriginal races of Africa, watch over their interests, and cultivate their moral material advancement and de uh, development. By July of 1890, Germany went even further to convince the other nations of its civilized goals for Africa. They attended the anti-slavery conference in Brussels, where they were placed on record by a solemn pledge and resolution. It was the emphatic desire of the conferring powers effectively to protect the native races of Africa from oppression and slavery. This was the pledge that appended in to be welcomed to the Colonial Club and opened up a treasure trove of territory for annexation to their relatively small nation. The British Blue Book of 1918 says it's not to be wondered at, therefore, knowing that Germany's declared and avowed native policy was as the statesmen and people of Great Britain had no hesitation in welcoming that power into the arena of world colonization as a co-partner. And it was apparently in this spirit and on those pledged assurances at Berlin and Brussels that Great Britain allowed Germany to annex 322,450 square miles of territory in southwest Africa. By a stroke of the pen, placed the Ovampos, the Hereros, the Mamaras, the Hottentots, um, bastards and bushmen of that vast land under the guardian ship and control of the German emperor. But unfortunately for everybody concerned, these promises were as empty as the consciousness of which they sprang, and they were shortly abandoned. Well, on that note, we can end of today's show. We'll be back tomorrow and talk more about what became the secret Nazi space program. Till then, this is Ken Hudnall for the Ken Hudnall Show saying have a truly great evening.